All right. So, Sam, tell me. Let's introduce yourself, but you're not allowed to talk about work or what you do. Okay. Who's Sam McGovern? I'm Sam McGovern, I'm a native San Diegan who uh, I wandered off for a little while to the East Coast, but I'm back. And um, yeah, that's me minus the work part. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, okay. You know, um, you know, I, me and my wife are just kind of taking in the best that San Diego has to offer right now. And uh, yeah, just kind of living life, enjoying San Diego. We're kind of happy to be coming up on local summer here, get to do all fa our favorite beach stuff without yeah. crowds so much. So yeah. Just need this heat wave to fully mm -hmm. pass over. Cause yeah. like it's getting cooler in the mornings, which is nice. Yeah. Cause uh, I live in an old house and it's not uh, insulated. So it gets, yeah, it gets a little hot. toasty. Yeah, a little hot. Yep. So where'd you originally grow up? So grew up here, um, Kind of East County, like by where Cal's Mountains at in the San Carlos neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> made the trip out here to sort of the more western part of the county. You know, big move. But uh, yeah, after I went to college back east in Virginia, and then my wife's from West Virginia, so we spent um, a while out there, had a good life out there. But eventually, kind of realized we wanted to end up back in San Diego. Had a few too many winters out there got sick of the snow and dealing with all that nonsense all winter long yeah, as I say you don't have to convince me as being from Wisconsin and I, uh, uh, I'm probably yeah, had it worse if I never see winter ever again I'd yeah. be okay with it like whatever if you go for like a week mm -hmm. you know that's not winter that's yeah. that's a vacation like yeah. other than that I no. it's crazy how much just weather can impact you as a person or at least for me you know, realizing that, you know, winter was just rough. It's like, it's never, well, even, you know, in West Virginia, it was like winter, it's never really comfortable to be outside. All the leaves, you know, all the trees, everything are dead. So everything's just gray and brown. Were you in the mountains or? Not really. We were um, still considered like the DC metro area. Okay. So kind of right on the border between where it goes from busy DC to sort of wilderness. Yeah. But then you have that, and then you finally come out of winter, and you have like three weeks of spring, and everything's great, and then it's just humid hot and humid shit. and nasty for months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The What people don't realize who are not from here, um, like, we you have to park your car in the mm -hmm. garage. Uh, oh, yeah. You turn your car on and let it run for like 15 minutes. Cause mm -hmm. like uh, if, if you were to like do what most like San Diegans do is just turn your car on and start driving, yeah. you would crack your engine block. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I have a friend who's from Canada and the she had a, a block warmer huh. and she had drove her car from Canada to California. And they're like, what? what's that cord hanging out of your like engine and she's like oh it's a block warmer and they're like wait what <laughs> what i don't what does that mean yeah like you don't realize like how much cold weather affects i had that one morning i was driving there's some snow in the car still and i crank up the defroster because i don't you know growing up in san diego i don't know still don't know how to deal with snow mm -hmm. i crank it up and i'm driving for a little, little bit all of a sudden the windshield just cracks all the way across down like kind of where the defroster's hitting mm -hmm. it. Just a big old crack all the way through. Like nothing hit it, it was just that. Temperature change. Yeah, that hot and cold. Yeah. 
<laughs> so after that, sold the car and moved to San Diego. That's a good call. Good yeah. call. So um, when you were out in D.C., what were you doing? So I was a police officer out there. For how long? For about five years. What uh, what were you? What kind of police officer were you? So it was cool because I got to kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, it was a small department, about fifty people, which in that area was actually sort of a it was a decent sized department for the area. Um, but I started out, you know, just normal patrol stuff, answering a little bit of everything. Um, eventually, I kind of got tasked to do some more administrative stuff. I got to head up some like the PR efforts for the department. So I launched their first social media program, new websites, um, got involved in like meeting with a lot of community groups and doing a lot of community programs and the support for stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I did that and got involved with, you know, we did some cool stuff with the schools and then kind of when I was getting to the end of my career or you know, when I was thinking I might want to do something else, I kind of mm -hmm. did the last hoorah and went back to the road and started doing all that patrol stuff. But, you know, with only 50 people, it's not like out, you know, like here, SDPD's got like more, at least more than a thousand officers. I think it was like somewhere one to 2,000. So they're like, your patrol officer goes out and says, oh, this is a murder or something. They just secure the scene and then and they, they call in somebody yeah, else. They have a team that handles every different thing. Yeah. Whereas back there is like, now you patrol officers show up and like, oops, this is a murder. Uh, guess I got to work the scene. You pull the fingerprinting dust out of your car and start going to town on that. Um, so in the moment, it was a lot to deal with. But looking back on it, you know, I got to do a lot of I packed a lot into five years that would have never happened um, at a bigger department. Yeah, that's the, it's like working for like a startup almost, right? Yeah. Like it's just, you wear all the hats. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, a lot of opportunities for like, I got into, I was, just happened to be in the right place at the right time and ended up becoming the department's sort of go-to guy for like 3D crime scene and traffic scene reconstruction because it was okay, it kind of made sense I was going to say hold on a second. Yeah. so wait so paint a scene for me and what you did okay so it's essentially the same or it used to be at least the same equipment that like you see a construction worker out on the side of the road using where they're like looking through that little camera yeah, thing like and the someone's camera holding on a stick. pole yeah it's exactly that um, so I would take that out and set it up sometimes it would be it was like a major car accident where someone had died or you know, like a homicide or a major crime, something like that. I'd take all that same equipment out and have someone else go hold the little stick and start shooting data points. And then through that, we could reconstruct like a 3D model of the crime scene. So that way, if there was ever a need that came up, you could measure, okay, well, how far was it from this piece of evidence we found to the door or to any other point, things so like that. So if it was a car accident, like you could calculate how fast they were going. You would, yeah, ish. so... So that you is kind of even a separate expert, but they would use the data that I was putting together. Yeah. Or, you know, like we'd have a couple times where it'd be like a collision with a train and a person or a train in the car. So your scene is, you know, hundreds of yards long. Yeah. So 
your standard like going out with a measuring tape isn't going to do you much good or something. So need like a laser yeah, measuring so tape. Yeah, call thing. me out, start shooting lasers around and make a model of the scene. Did you ever see a train versus people accident? Yeah. Um, Ugh. There was, there's a lot of train activity there. Mm. Um, so actually the there was some bad ones. The ones I dealt with were miraculously not that bad, where people actually walked away from it. Walked away from getting hit by a train? Yeah. It was uh, like train a train or like trolley? Full on train. So, like, one that comes to mind specifically was a, I think he was like, it was a young kid, like maybe 11 or 12, and he was mm-hmm. kind of walking on the edge of the train tracks with earbuds in, which is, spoiler alert, that's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was lucky that he just kind of got tagged by the corner of the train. Yeah. And it sent him flying, like, way off to the side. But he, he had all sorts of broken bones and stuff. But he lived through it. Whereas if he had been a foot to his left, he probably... Be gone. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So then, okay, so you're a cop in D.C. for D.C. area Mm -hmm. for five years and thinking about doing something else and then sold your car after you cracked your windshield. Um, So then what was was the next step? So it was was coming up on five years and there was a really good retirement plan in place of the department where at like 20 I could have retired. So I said, okay, it's kind of decision time, you know, Definitely if I get to 10 years, I'm going to feel committed to this. So like, I'm kind of in that gray zone now where I need to decide, you know, is this what I want to do for 20 years or, you know, is it time to move on and pursue something um, that's, you know, bigger and better, not, you know, for me personally, not, yeah. you know, as a general statement. Um, and, you know, we had been coming out here to San Diego a lot to come see my family. It was like, all our vacations were San Diego. Um, There's just a lot of things that went into play. I'd spent tons of time in the courtroom, you know, as a witness, as a police officer. I'd be driving around, see all these law offices, and be in court. I'm like, you know, I could like, I could do that. You know, that this makes sense to me. This seems like something I could do. And it was that, you know, the weather, wanting to get back out to San Diego, um, and just kind of, you know, I'd always wanted to start my own business ever since I was a kid. I said, like, I think this is it. Like, I think this is the opportunity. I need to start pursuing this. Um, so I'd taken, I took the LSAT, which is the kind of the entrance test for law school. I'd taken that um, pr- a couple years in advance. I think I took that like back in 2014, um, just kind of thinking about it. And then I sat on it like, nah, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Right, so um, tell me more about like the LSAT. Like, yeah. How was the LSAT? Like, what is it? Did you pass it on the first time? Like, how hard of a test was it? Like, yeah, I mean, kind of what's cons- it's not really so much pass or fail, it's more what the school you want to go to is looking for. So, when I took it, you know, I, I thought, well, I have to go to like Harvard if I'm going to go to law school, of course, like, go big or go home. So, I didn't get quite the score that I, well, not at all the score I would have needed for Harvard, but, um, you know, not kind of what I had planned on, so I just kind of sat on it. Gotcha. You know, it's... But they give you, like, a numerical score. Yeah. Okay. So it's... I could go on about the LSAT no, and what's you don't been need bad to. for a while. But <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's... 
you know, if you really want, like, if you want to go to Harvard or something like that, people spend tons of money on tutors, and you learn to take that one test. It's not really relevant to anything else. Yeah, it's about learning the skills you need to do the little puzzles that are in that test. So I was, you know, I had a big fat book, like a thousand pages that I was like studying like before and after work and mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, so I'm not going to compete with someone who's got their private tutor or they're just a, you know, genius in general. Um, so I sat on that for a while, but then we we came out here um, on vacation one time. I was like, yeah, I need to like, let's go like see what law schools are around here. So I looked at um, like USD and then looked at Cal Western downtown mm -hmm. and saw kind of Cal Western is kind of a little bit I. I'd say they're a little bit less traditional than other schools, and they have a lot of programs that were designed for people who had had careers before, um, transitioning. What really attracted me to it was they had a two-year accelerated program, whereas law school is normally three years. So I said, and that was always a hang-up for me. I'm like, oh, I can't go back to school for three years. That's brutal. Well, especially like if you've been in a career making money and all yeah. that, the idea of like putting your life on hold for kind sure. of thing, which I feel like a lot of people don't take the leap into doing something different because of that exact Definitely. thing, right? Yeah. Of like, oh, if I do this three years later, I'm gonna be, you know, fill in the blank, 38 yeah. years old, 35 years old, 42 years old, who cares, right? Like, uh -huh. I can't do that, I can't exactly. start over again. Yeah. Yeah. So three years was always a block for me, but then two years for some reason, I'm like, okay, I think I could, I could handle two years. I could make that happen. Um, so it was real quick after that. So we came here, I kind of, I found Cal Western. I'm like, let me put in an application, see what happens. And sure enough, I got in, I got offered a scholarship. And then we were, then it was, you know, really game on. So we were in the process of fixing up an old 1920s house out there. In Virginia? Yes. Okay. So I'm like, uh-oh, like, this is not ready to list. So then I like took some time off work, finished it up, brought in contractors. We just raced to get that sold. Listed our house, sold it within a day, or nice. you know had it under contract within a day. I should be careful about my terminology. With <laughs> um, but yeah, then went through escrow, loaded up a U-Haul, and started hauling it across the country back out here. And do, uh, do you do any fun adventures on the way, or did you just haul ass the whole time? We slowed it down a little bit. Um, you know, I'd done it, I used to, when I was like, you know, early 20s, I'd just like see how fast I could do it. But we made some stops. We had friends kind of now, over the years, have spread out kind of across the country. So mm -hmm. we went down to um, Charlotte, North Carolina, saw some friends, out to Nashville, see more people. Uh, stopped a couple of random places stopped in Colorado to see friends uh, so it took us we spent about six days doing that trip but uh, a little bit slower than we could have done it but That's still awesome. a good pace still got to see some friends along the way yeah well it's awesome I mean I love talking to people who have taken like a big leap and have done you know something like massive shift in their life and yeah. seeing like you know good potential growth uh for you know making a better life for themselves for sure so let's leapfrog all the way up to you are a business owner and what do you do now yeah you you've you created your six-year-old dream you're a business owner yeah that it's i sometimes i have to remind myself like this is what i dreamed about mm -hmm. you know just a couple years ago 
Um, but now I am an attorney. I'm the owner of the McGovern Law Group, and we kind of focus on cases, um, maybe not the most descriptive, but the most used term would be kind of half in the personal injury realm. So really just something bad happening to someone, whether it's, you know, work-related, car accident, something like that. Someone's going about their life and something bad happens. And then the other half of that is estate planning, which is just, um, you know, we, we look at it more as getting someone's legacy ready and just the peace of mind of planning and making sure that, you know, all these things that could you know, turn a something bad into like a real disaster, making sure those are all taken care of and planned out in advance. Um, to, so that when inevitably, you know, we all die at some point. So making that, um, you know, as, as small of a tragedy as possible. Yeah. So you don't have to add paperwork to death. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, new slogan. <laughs> uh, but that's really the, the main questions and, and comments, conversations that I wanted to have with you is about like trust and estate planning. Because um, like when I think of that, or when I did think of that traditionally, it's like, oh, that's an old person's problem to have. Yeah. But like from after talking to you a few times, you're like, no, we should start younger. So like when when do most people set up like in a trust in an estate? And then like, why are you advocating it for like that age to be a different age? Yeah, I think kind of the, the stereotype is like you get a bad call from the doctor and then you open up the phone book and find whatever attorney you can to write you a will, um, which it shouldn't be that way. But we kind of look at it as, you know, myself and Cameron Hayes is working with me. He's a friend of mine from law school. Um, we look at it as, you know, when even almost everyone should have an estate plan really. And it doesn't have to be, you know, this big expensive ordeal when you're young. But that's something that I learned as a police officer and started seeing is even like someone, you know, there'd be a tragic death of like someone who was like 18, early 20s or something. And numerous times I'd show up as the police officer because the parents are then there like fighting with the landlord at their child's house or their apartment because they can't get in. They're locked out. You know, the people think, oh, well, I'm his parent. I can get in. Yeah. Landlord says, no, we can't just let you in without some sort of paperwork yeah this was an adult so there'd be all these crazy disputes like that um, which kind of brought to mind like yeah like even a young person and you know went over this again in law school learning about trusts and estates even when you're young you should have some sort of plan in place whether that's yeah it could be as simple as here's my will you know if I have anything you find interesting, go ahead and take it. Um, but here's you know the people who are authorized to handle my affairs um, if something awful was to happen to me. And then coupling that with like a power of attorney and then in California, advanced healthcare directive is sort of the medical side of power of attorney. It says, you know, if, you know, you know, say I'm learning to do a loop on my motorcycle and I like, you know, fall and turn into a vegetable, like, you know, maybe saying, don't worry about trying to prolong my life if, you know, there's not really, yeah. it's not looking good. Or maybe it's, you know, hey, do whatever you can to this extent or, you know, just spelling out, you know, what, what decisions you want to be made. Yeah. Because that's another 
you know, awful, well, there's a lot of awful things that can kind of compound in that situation where, A, just all of a sudden forcing one of your loved ones to, to make the decision for yeah, you. To try and figure out what you would want. Yeah. Um, that's just a huge burden to put on someone that's avoidable. And then the other side of that is getting stuck in sort of this legal limbo where a person's, you know, highly unlikely to ever recover, but there's no authority or plan in place to say, okay, at this point, you know, it's okay to pull the plug. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be, you know, as anyone knows, just being kind of stuck in that limbo state in a hospital can be astronomical. Expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. racking up medical bills that are completely unnecessary Mm -hmm. and then burdening that onto your family. For sure. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's a, you know, that sort of young person's estate plan, I guess I would call it for now, is something that, you know, it's a couple of forms that you can do and have and put in place. Um, And then you just have the peace of mind knowing that, hey, this is like, you know, this is something I've taken care of. It's almost like a gift to like my loved ones Mm -hmm. who would be left behind in that situation that I'm going to do a little bit of planning now and just get a couple forms in place that would make sure that you know, if something happens to me, yeah. you know, it's going to be sad, but it's not going to be this legal mess or this, you know, disaster at the hospital trying to sort out yeah. know, all these bills and all that. So here's kind of my question as uh, thinking back to when I was even just say 16 to 25. Um, mm-hmm. I was invincible. Uh, yeah. Statistically, that's still true. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still here. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And uh, the last thing I was would be thinking about is some sort of paperwork. So I mean, yeah. like, is this a conversation then, like, had with parents with young children, like, to like, okay, and then like, so where, where is the best way to like inject, like, not being morbid, but like, hey, protections, your family, like, planning things for the future, setting up a good foundation to. Because, like, I didn't know any of this stuff. How yeah. is, like, an 18-year-old going to be like, you know what? This is what I want to do. Let's make sure to write that down. Like, yeah. no. And, like, you're not exposed to it. So we go off into a lot of tangents right now, <laughs> but I'm trying to stay on track. So, yeah. like, so like it's not an old person thing. We want to make it a young person thing. It doesn't have to be complicated. So, like, where are you finding, like, that, like, range of, like, I need to start having this conversation? Yeah. So, and admittedly like you're 18 to 21 that person's not thinking about an estate plan um you know that's think about girls booze and doing sure. stupid stuff <laughs> but that, you know that's something for parents to think about yeah. you know if, if your child's going off or getting an apartment on their own you just like hey if you're gonna do that like i'll pay for it or i'll you know i'll just get a hold of the forms at that point it's so simple like like let's just make sure if something happened that you know say you end up incapacitated in the hospital, even if it's for a while, you know, I can, something where I can get in and, you know. It'd be like a power of attorney or a power of, what was it, right? Something like that? Yeah, so um, at that point, you know, if it was incapacity, you know, power of attorney could kick in. Yeah. um, And there's different ways to do that. But I think it's, at a super young age, it's kind of, you know, working back and forth between parents and a young adult to Mm -hmm. kind of say, like, hey, let's have our have each other's backs here and make sure that you know we're we have that aspect covered. 
So what would that be called if like I'm I'm 18 getting a car accident or whatever and I'm in a coma for a week or whatever like yeah. what would the verbiage have to be if like so that like my parents or brother sister cousin aunt uncle or whatever yeah. could like make medical decisions for mm. me. So you have a couple things coming into play at that point and your will's not going to come into play obviously cuz you're not dead. Um, so what you'd have is your advanced healthcare directive which is making those you know it's your choices for healthcare plus anything else it says here's the person who gets to make any other choices mm -hmm. and then you have your your durable power of attorney um, and I there's a couple ways to do that I generally if a person's healthy like to do what's called a springing power of attorney which is a document that says if I'm incapacitated and sometimes it'll be like you know and there's a letter or two letters from two independent doctors that say I'm incapacitated. Now this person who I designate gets to handle this laundry list of my business affairs and personal affairs. So it's kind of, it's bifurcated between medical and sort of financial business sides. Okay. But then, so you have like, that's, that'd be like the most basic possible estate plan essentially. But then um, kind of, our sweet spot and the people that we really like working with is like young parents or people who've just bought houses. Cause then, so with your super basic estate plan, you have your powers of attorney in place. You have a will that says, Hey, take my property. Once you start adding a house or kids into the mix, you want to do more planning. So a will, in addition to saying, you know, give my property to this person and this person's my executor, the person who gets to, you know, wrap everything up for me you can also designate a guardian in your will. So when someone has a kid, um, a lot of times, you know, it, it's kind of obvious who would take the kids like, oh, you know, like the grandparents are going to take the kid if something were to happen or something like that. Um, but it's, you know, at, at that point, you know, it's often getting the court to say that's okay. But yeah, I was going to say, just because it's obvious, what happens if, yeah. like, Uncle Bob or whatever over here is like, no, I want to raise the kids, and Grandma and Grandpa are like, no, we're clearly raising the kid. Yeah. Like, so what you're avoiding by naming a guardian in your will is the, the whole step of having to go to the court and get the court involved and mm -hmm. saying, like, is it okay for Grandma and Grandpa to be guardian? And people don't, you know, you don't want the... No one likes the court to be involved. Well, some people like to get the court involved in their life, but yeah. you know, generally that's kind of where that tragedy kind of starts compounding. Is like, okay, now we have to go to court, and like clearly I'm the best person to take care of the kids, but I have to go get the court to appoint me. Whereas we could have just spelled that out in the will in advance, and then it's an easy transition. So what is it about buying a house that is a good time to set up a trust or an estate plan yeah so with we went from basic ultra basic estate plan yep. and then we added on kids which um yeah you know, here complicate things yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's a piece that we can add to the will where the will is kind of limited though is a couple ways one is sort of other than just giving property from person a to person b um you know, that's all a will can really do. And a will also doesn't take you out of what people really want to avoid, which is probate. Um, and probate is kind of, it's not really, but when I hear probate, I think of purgatory. 
which is kind of a similar concept where you know your property all has to go through the court so when you have a house you know you could just in your will say the house goes to this person um, but anything especially in southern california right now there's a probate limit that's about a hundred it's a little over one hundred sixty six thousand dollars at the moment so that says that if the value of your estate the so the total gross value of everything you're leaving behind is more than that you have to go through the court have the court approve where everything's going to go and in southern california if you own a house it's immediately yeah good luck finding real estate in san diego it's under that i think you know maybe like if you went out to the desert or something you might want a, a, a mobile home yeah yeah um but yeah so there's an affidavit process you can use if you're under that but as soon as you're buying a house in san diego that's kind of kicking you into the realm of probate okay um probate in addition to being a long court process which you know depending on family dynamics may or may not be contentious um it may just be a simple thing but you're still going through this system and there's statutory attorney fees for going through probate which is kind of it's the maximum but it's kind of the industry standard for what it costs to have an attorney guide you through probate so you're either making the decision of trying to like well that's handy hold on it's yeah. the maximum and the industry norm <laughs> yeah so it's it's you could charge less but most people just charge the most amount possible yeah exactly okay. And it's like a scheme of like four percent of the first X amount of dollars, three percent of the next amount. Uh, but what it works up to essentially, once you get to about like a million dollars, it works out to like a little over twenty thousand dollars in attorneys' fees mm -hmm. just to go through that process. So what the trust allows you to do is kind of avoid that probate process, and I'll have to circle back to that in okay. a second to kind of explain more what a trust is. But trusts, um, that's kind of the first benefit why people like trusts. And the second benefit is um, sort of control of the property. So if you had kids and a house um, or any sort of significant property, you can kind of dictate how that property is held. Like, for example, um, you know, a child can't, there's limits to how much a child can be given in, in money or value of property. Um, generally it's about like $15,000 is the limit. Um, so if you have some sort of like big amount of money or a house or something, you can't just give the house to the five-year-old kid. Someone has to be holding it. So a trust is one way you can do that. Um, or if there's, you know, really significant assets, you can start getting into really advanced planning with trusts where, you know, you're trust fund kids where mm -hmm. it's kind of the extreme end where there's this trust that kind of pays them out um, monthly, you know, weekly, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, whatever's dictated. But I guess I should probably circle back now to say more <laughs> what a trust is. Cool. Um, sorry, we're doing like trust and estates 101 here. Yeah, we're but, killing it. So a trust is, it's kind of the gray zone between a legal entity like a LLC or a business and a contract. Okay. Um, but there's a couple parts to a trust. You have the grantor, the settler, essentially someone who's putting property into a trust. Then you have the trustee, who's the person who holds that property, and then you have a beneficiary. And the trustee is holding the property for the beneficiary's benefit, ultimately to 
you know, distribute proceeds or give them that property. So grantor is the rich person, trustee is the person managing it, and then a beneficiary is the person's getting the rich person's stuff. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so what's most common is like a revocable living trust and what people would generally hold a house in. And so in that case, your grantor and your trustee are the same person, but legally they're kind of two different individuals. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's that's why legal, there's lawyers. Yeah, legal fiction, essentially. <laughs> yes. um, it protects your asset in many different manners, and that's the whole point of doing all of this. And so yeah. that is a specific structure of a, a protection that protects you from what? So what does a livable, a revocable living, livable trust do? So a revocable living trust is not going to really give you asset protection, but it, what it is going to do is take you out of the realm of probate. Okay. So like, say I set up a revocable living trust for you right now. Okay. We'd also go and what best practices is we'd issue a deed from you to you as trustee of mm. your revocable living trust. Gotcha. So that way you're not, for most purposes, you're not legally the owner of that house anymore. Your yeah. trust is the owner of that house. Gotcha. And things like with property tax, like they want people to have trusts and estate plans, so they kind of just blur them together and say, It's the same. Yeah. You know, property tax is kind of going to ignore that and say, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, but what that means then is, you know, if you were to die, then you don't have this asset that the court has to probate and the court has to approve, okay, give this from this person to this person because you've already given that to someone else. Now this trust has the property and the trustee has instructions to give it to whoever the beneficiary is. Okay. So it it's extremely abstract, but what it is is just essentially doing a legal song and dance to, um, you know, avoid the whole probate process which is costly and timely and usually if you're in it it's a difficult time period in your life so yes. if you can avoid spending money that doesn't need to be spent and emotional capacity that doesn't need to be spent it's exactly well worth putting in a little bit of effort for sure and it's also um, you know somewhat public too so any of your assets that go through probate with the court or it's technically public record because it's okay. you know the people's court um, so when you're making these moves through your trust instead, a lot of people like it because, you know, it's not out there where someone could access like, okay, I want this to go to like this person and nothing's yeah. going to this person because I don't like them anymore and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Um, but you hit it on the head. It's kind of, it's the, the expense of probate. It's the time and dealing with the court of going through probate, which could be like nine months to a year. And then it's also um, a matter of privacy that your trust is going to help you out with. And then you, you know, you mentioned like asset protection, and that's then when you're getting into the world of irrevocable trusts, and that's more. Um, that's really like the advanced kind of Rolls Royce of the estate planning world, where you're setting up these kind of legal structures that are um, give you some creditor protection and things like that, and you get into those like. You know, the mix for great movies and things like that. The trust fund kids, where they just have this pot of money, and you know, some lawyer or some bank just writes them a check, and no one can kind of touch that money. Mm -hmm. 
But like it, the nice thing about learning about this right now, it sounds like that it doesn't matter what stratus you are of like how much money you make or anything like that. There's different ways to to have this benefit you. I mean, if like if you are having kids and you are planning on buying a house, mm -hmm. like you don't need to be buying a $10 million house to have a trust. Like, you yeah. know, it doesn't need to be anything crazy, but it avoids so much headaches if you set these things up. For sure. Yeah. And that's what's kind of interesting and always challenging about estate planning is it's not just like, okay. When you have an estate, yeah. meaning like a giant 12 bedroom uh, house and a horse ranch and all these other things. For sure. Like, and it's not just like, okay, do you want a will or a trust? Or if you have a trust, you have both. Mm -hmm. It's not just like A or B. There's so much that goes into it. And then like you can start talking about like a life insurance policy would be part of an estate plan. Okay. Um, or, you know, how are your retirement fund, like your IRAs, things like that, how are they going to interact with your plan? Okay. Um, so it's even more than just kind of these these basic documents. There's so much you can do to kind of and you know when you're talking about your IRAs and things like that, you know, for a individual person, retirement account. Yeah. So like, you know, any sort of retirement plan from work or you know one that you would set up yourself. That's more um, people start taking a look at that more so like when they're getting older. Yep. Uh, it's less what you know your your first time home buyer. Or, new parents are going to be thinking about um, but it's what's kind of cool about it is you can start small and super basic and you can just your estate plan kind of grows with you and expands um, and serves your needs as you go through life yeah that's awesome because it, it as you're talking this there's like all these connections going on in yeah. my head right now that is um, super cool so like let's say you know, you are in the time period of life of, all right, so it's not like you, let's let's say you already have a house, you already have kids, but you don't have any of this stuff. You just yeah. learned about all these things. Like, who would be the first person to, like, you would talk to? Would it be, like, the life insurance person? Would it be your, like, financial advisor? Would it be you, the trust attorney? Like, or does it have to, or would it be best if you could get everybody in one room? Like, what does it look like to... How do I set up a trust? There we go. That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> How so, do I get this going? I mean, there's not really, you know, any of those is a great step. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually, like, those are all people you're going to want to talk to. You're going to want to talk to the financial advisor. Um, you're going to want to talk to the life insurance person and so on. And generally, it's kind of like a little nexus where we end up working together. But um, at some point, you're going to need to call the estate attorney to set up that trust. Um, and so the trick is you have to fund it with property. Uh, and it's not really a trick, that's easy if you own a house or something, or you can, I mean, people a lot of times will write in, you know, I fund my trust with $10, because a trust isn't valid unless it's holding property. Mm. So even if you're creating that legal fiction of, I take this $10 bill and I hand it from me as grantor to me as trustee, mm -hmm. that can kind of, to some extent, it's not the the best, but it's one way to kind of, if you had nothing else, like that could yeah. make a trust um, legal in some cases. So there needs to be but, some sort of monetary Yeah, it has to hold value. some sort of property. Like okay. where, where you would get yourself into trouble is if you sort of created a trust, um, and then you're like, okay, and then I'll go, you know, call my um, 
you know, my retirement advisor later and have them you know, transfer their ownership to the trust or do that. And then something would happen to you, well, your trust isn't going to be valid because you never put any property into it. Um, so a lot of times, you know, it might be a matter of getting that life insurance policy in place first, and that's great. Mm-hmm. And that would be awesome. Um, but then you're still going to need to, you know, contact the estate attorney and your life insurance person might direct you to one or recommend some. Um, but so it, it doesn't totally matter like which of those pieces you would pick first, but eventually they're all, um, you know, something that's going to happen. And, okay. you know, you could, your life insurance policy can live without an estate plan. It's almost a, to some extent it's an estate plan in and of itself. Um, but there's things you can do with the policies where you make the beneficiary the trust. So rather than just going to one person, well, and I should say a life insurance policy is another example of how you can transfer property without going through probate, because that's another thing where it's already, you know, it's a separate, it's not you holding the benefit of your life insurance policy. It's they have it and they have instructions to pay this person upon your death. So you don't have to probate that through the court. Wait, because I got lost for a second, so hold on. So who's they in that scenario? You you said they pay out. Yeah, so if you had, let's say you had a million dollars in your bank account, um, and you wanted on your death, you know, your your brother, your cousin, whoever it might Mm -hmm. be to get that money, and you just write that down on a will, you say, okay, I want, upon my death, I want the million dollars from my bank account to go to Fred or Bob, whoever it is. Um, That's property money in this case that would have to go through probate in the court. And the court would have to look at it and prove it and say, okay, go ahead and make that transfer. Yeah. With a life insurance policy, you don't have that million dollars. You're just paying your life insurance provider for whether it's a term or you know whatever sort of policy it is. And then they're the ones who are holding that pot of a million bucks. And then they pay out. Yeah, so they know, they get a death certificate that you were you know, on your way to safari in Africa and the plane went down. They get that you know, certificate, proof of that. They say, okay, and they write the check to whoever you named as your beneficiary. Mm-hmm. So that's not property that the court has to approve transferring from a deceased person to the beneficiary. Because it's going from a different entity to... Exactly. Okay. It's a separate you know, contractual relationship that's been set up in advance. But there's... So all that to say with life insurance, sometimes you might want to name your trust as the beneficiary and then it would be distributed or held and distributed over time. Um, you know, just it's the thing about it. There's, you can do as much planning or as little planning as you want, whether you'd say, okay, everything I've got upon time of death, I want it to go to these three people. Yeah. Or you can, you know, I want to support this museum or you can say, I want to set up a separate trust that will take care of my favorite pet until my pet passes away and then I want that money to go to the Humane Society once the pet passes away. Yeah. So it's it's kind of as much or as little as a person wants to do really. Yeah, you can make it as intricate and as specific as mm-hmm. your desires wish. Exactly. So it seems 
and I'm guessing you will agree, but it seems <laughs> like everybody should have one of these yeah. to a certain extent. But like at the same time, like I bet 95% of people don't even know what a trust is. No. And so it's like, so A, I know our education system isn't the greatest mm -hmm. uh, and there's missing out on, I mean, shit, personal finance and stuff yeah. like that. It's miserable. So like the idea of them trying to teach what a trust is and needing mm -hmm. one. So like, A, I, I like, and this is a different conversation, but like how the heck do you like get the word out to everybody to like, hey, this is actually beneficial to you. And then like rough, like how is it charged in order to like set these up is this like a high bar of entry of something and that's why most people don't do it or is it just that most people don't do it because they don't know about it so as far as education connections starting with that point um it's actually you know one good kind of connection and point of learning for people is like baby books or parenting classes things like that when someone's about to have a baby um, a lot of times you'll see in those books, they'll say you need to have an estate plan in place. Um, Wait, in baby books? Yeah, or I clearly don't or, have any baby books, yeah. but... Neither do I, but... So I've been told. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been told and heard, um, you know, because we don't have any what, kids. What law group wrote that baby book? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think genius. we got a new business venture yes. here, the McGovern Publishing. <laughs> but it's like people said oh yeah like when i was taking this parenting class or i watched this or read this they said oh you know like when you're having a baby that's what you need to do you need to get your estate plan put together so if nothing else you're naming a guardian um, you know something should happen to you uh, so that's kind of one way people hear about it as far as the younger yeah demographic goes um but yeah, as far as, um, sorry, sorry, I went from, I, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I went from schooling to how are people figuring out about this to like cost, yeah. like, so yeah. what is, is this a cost prohibitive thing? Like, is it an hourly base rate kind of thing? Like how are people, cause if we don't know about it or we don't, we can't afford it, like, yeah. or what, cause I, I'd like the curiosity of like, where's the disconnect of people actually having these? Yeah. Or is just people have them, they just don't talk about it? Like, yeah. So, okay, then the question really becomes, what is, the, like, the cost structure of, like, yeah. setting one of these up? Or the barriers to entry. Yeah, what is the barrier to entry? Yeah. Um, I mean, so doing, trying to, like, go at it, I would say, I would never recommend, like, going at it yourself because there's all, the, there's ceremonies and stuff still involved in, like, making a will valid. That Wait, you have ceremony. To I gotta wear like a yeah. hood and cape and like light a fire and incantations and stuff. Almost. <laughs> we'll give it. We'll we'll get to that. But um, thinking like in a cave of like a you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, we Sorry. charge extra for that. Okay. But, um, well. <laughs> but, so there's there's all these weird little like tricks that you still have to know. Do okay. It. But you know having something is better than having nothing. So if you're watching a YouTube video on like how do I write my will or like how do I do this power of attorney mm -hmm. you know potentially that's free and it's better than just kind of going out not having nothing. anything yeah yeah then you know kind of the next step is okay i want to have professional draft a will for me and make it legit make sure everything's covered and that's something that um you know is a little bit more and then trusts you're starting to you know there's 
normally people don't do it if they don't have like a house or something something that's going to make it worth that expense because yeah. it is you know it's even like a simple trust that i would put together you know that whole plan once you do the trust plus the wills and powers of attorney um, different ancillary documents that's like you know we're getting into somewhere around 80 pages or so generally it could mm -hmm. be more or less um so it's you know it's it's a lot of time to just put to the build together. it all together yeah. yeah um so i think there is a you know people it's hard for people to spend money for like something that they don't want to use uh yeah that's yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's pretty easy to see in real yeah. life experiences all, every day. Yeah. So we are very short sighted, yeah. instant gratification mindset. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, you see like when people are like really getting old or having health problems, that's when they say, okay, now I have to spend this money. I have yeah. to lay down the finances. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's both. It's people don't want to think about death and people don't want to pay money um, that doesn't immediately bring them benefit for sure and yeah. much less like go hire a lawyer if you don't want to that's a whole i think a whole mental block for a lot of people generally is say i shouldn't need a lawyer i don't want to deal yeah. with a lawyer um but those are all kind of things that we want to change and kind of simplify and make more accessible so it's hard to you know what a estate plan costs depends a lot on what a person wants to do what mm -hmm. all those things are their priorities you know are they wanting to maintain control like how much um how much drafting and planning because generally you know you're talking about here's my first choice of what's going to happen here's my second choice here's my third choice yeah um so you know you can put together a plan that even has your requests for like the music you want played at your funeral and things like that if you want to yeah but it's you know it, it's a matter of time um, but what we like to do is, and you know, every lawyer kind of does what they do. Um, a lot of people will charge hourly. Um, I don't really like that. I think that's kind of terrifying to, you're essentially writing a lawyer a blank check and say, you know, have Here. fun with my money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think anyone likes that. So we, um, so there's there's essentially what it sounds like there's two models of like fee base of like here's a basic trust and yeah. it's going to cost approximately this much and yeah. then like here's the tiered or yeah. the other payment scale model is going to be hourly. Yeah. Okay. So generally whenever possible I try and do a a fixed fee fixed for an rate. estate plan because I don't think anyone wants that whole blank check of well, yeah, is, have fun is, is Sam having lunch and yeah. hanging out and uh -huh. charging me hourly, or am is I Sam actually doing something? Yeah. Am I thinking about your estate plan while I walk the dog this morning? Yeah, I'm not into that. So okay, you know, it's it depends on what the person wants. But how we work is after meeting and gathering all that information, and saying, okay, here's you know, here's what's best for you. Here's what it costs for us to put that together, so yeah. you would know what you're getting into. Um, and then kind of, you know, the answer to you know, just that, because especially a trust is, you know, it's a significant, you know, outlay of money. Yeah. So, you know, if it's a young couple or something like that, parents. Yeah, let's paint a picture of it real quick then. Yeah. So like, um, you know, mid 30s, young 40s, let's say two kids own a house, cars, yeah. sm even a small business owner. Yeah. You know, like 
and they're like now getting everything ready. Like, yeah. What do, what would that like kind of set someone back ish? Obviously, we're not quoting prices right now or anything, but yeah. So I mean, generally, you know, we try and the business part is one area that gets a little tricky because there's a lot that every individual business has generally some sort of operating agreement. So there can be you know different tricks and traps as far as whether you know you want that person's business whether you want the trust to hold that person's business interest so which then is also then looping in an accountant yeah usually as um, well <laughs> yeah so it's yeah. a matter of like if you're having like business especially like a fractional business interest involved there's a, some more steps and work to review the business documents to make sure everything's going to be okay um, but you know let's just say it's a basic plan you know a couple with kids in a house yep. you know that's we try and keep that for now under two thousand dollars and there's oh, not that bad yeah oh, okay so we well so, I, yeah. I, again i'm talking to a lawyer yeah. i don't know the cost i yeah. mean like uh, <laughs> it took you uh 15 minutes to get to this point yeah. like <laughs> i was expecting like twenty thousand, you know no. whatever like okay. well i mean if you want it, to pay that then yeah <laughs> you know hey <laughs> we'll do the whole like ceremony in the cave for you perfect for 20, yes okay um but yeah so we you know it's it's a lot for you yeah. know something that you're not wanting to use and for you know a stack of documents that you're going to but you know again kind of going back to $2000 for setting up a lot of paperwork you know even rounding it up to say $5000 yeah. just to be extra conservative mm -hmm. compared to you said 4 to 6% uh, so, for doing probate yeah or thinking of it as like if up to $20,000 yeah. i mean like just right there alone is like a $15,000 saving cuz like again yeah. houses are expensive owning a million dollar home in San Diego is you know 800 to 1.2 is like right where our yeah. the vast majority of our market is yeah. so like it, that's not a hard number that sounds quite smart yeah. to set it up because yeah. if you don't you might as well just go burn $15,000 exactly yeah. So yeah, you essentially by doing that plan in advance, you know, just your house, you saved like twenty grand in yeah. attorney's fees. Yeah. So again, kind of going back to we are very short-minded, short-sight-minded, yeah. instant gratification. But mm -hmm. like, if you actually do set up the plan and build it out in the future, you, you're saving yourself in the long run. Yeah. Tens of thousands of dollars. For sure. Gotcha. And what, so that like kind of basic plan that we're talking about is like, that's your revocable living trust, mm -hmm. pour over wills, which just say, hey, any property I have that, you know, didn't end up, that I didn't place in the trust, please go ahead and put that in the trust for me. Um, and as long as that's under like 166,000, we're good. Um, it's also, you know, documents like an assignment of property and you have different documents in there that are saying like, oh, like, you're attempting to put everything you own essentially in the trust mm -hmm. and then setting up backups and backups to make sure that everything gets in there. Yeah. Um, but so like an assignment of property, um, you know, in that would be naming guardians if the person has kids. And then we also do, it's their basic. So we kind of would just include them in most estate plans mm -hmm. to the extent a person wants them is that advanced healthcare directive a HIPAA authorization for a healthcare agent to get yep. medical records, and then also a springing or, you know, whatever sort of power of attorney the person would want to assign. And normally, you know, if it's a married couple, it's sort of reciprocal back and forth, you know, 
I name my spouse and my spouse names me. Um, but you know, sometimes if it was just a matter of like, hey, we, we have an apartment, um, but we're about to have a kid and we just want to make sure, you know, we're looking out for a kid and have a guardian named in place. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, just a matter of likely drafting a will, which is going to be like a couple hundred bucks. You know, yeah. And then, you know, with that, we would always do those like advanced healthcare directives, power of attorney type things. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Okay, so then the next question I have is, okay, so basic at level, um, really important if you are having kids, owning a house, that's when trusts really kind of start, like you need to start having the conversation. So let's kind of like fast forward through your clientele's lifespan to where now their kids are, say 16, 17, 18 Mm -hmm. years old. Yeah. You know, it, that's when you would bring up the conversation of like, hey, they're about to go off to college. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, set some things in place. Again, probably not the easiest conversation to have yeah. of like, hey, your kid, college kid's going to do a bunch of dumb shit, could <laughs> kill themselves. Let's figure that out. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever the scenario mm-hmm. is. Um, so then, you know, is it possible for the parent to set it up or would they have to help facilitate? Like, what, what would that look like for... You know, let's say planning for the your, your child's future kind of thing more. Yeah. So it always has to be, you know, the person whose plan it is. So let's say that's you know the the child who's person. now legally an adult. Yeah. You know, that person's the client. Anytime you draft a will or any sort of estate plan, you know, the person has to have the intent. They have to be voluntarily entering into that transaction. They have to have the capacity to do so. Um, so. I mean, the child has to become the client, but it's something that I think a family can easily educate work out yourself and agree to, or right? educate them of like yeah, why like, this is a benefit. Yeah, yeah, like hey, like we want to help you get started with this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is so like if something were to happen to you, like all your stuff's not locked up, and your landlord's not going to, yeah, you know, do who knows what. You know, allows us to plan for every contingency. Yeah, you know, handle business if we need to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, you know, a good kind of collaborative effort between like a parent and a child at that point. Um, but then also, you know, on the parent side, you know, maybe at that point too, they've right now the estate tax limit, so to speak, um, where like estate taxes would kick in if you died, is very it's 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 about it's a little over like eleven and a half million dollars per person. Um, so like. 22 some for a couple um so if you know you are flirting with that limit good for you let's talk about how we can avoid the taxes on that you know that's when um you know those more advanced discussions in the state planning um, come into play as far as you know how you want to set things up or sometimes people even would use like llc's and things businesses Mm -hmm. as a way to um you know transfer either a business or property, whatever it is to their yeah. kids, different ways. Um, and and yeah. like, and that's the conversation that we've been having so far has been more towards, you know, say starting up, start like, yeah. you know, like more entry level protection. But mm. I mean, this is, I think becoming more and more apparent in the world with mm. news and you know, just hearing of wealthy parents bribing colleges to send their kid to school and yeah. making up that they're football athletes or whatever right yeah. like there's shady ways of doing things that, but there's good ways of doing things but yeah. like yes there are ways to when 
you are, you know, kicking butt and you're super successful mm. that like, so Uncle Sam isn't taking all of your money. There yeah. are ways to, you know, shelter that, yeah. you know, asset money and stuff mm. like that. And that's where I think more people traditionally see or hear of like, say, trust planning, estate planning yeah. is that ultra wealthy stuff. Uh -huh. But like, that would be a whole nother conversation we could have about doing that, which I'd love to have. Yeah. Um, but like, it's not just for the ultra wealthy. Like it, no. it's, you know, the problems that you see in, you know, your middle class families when stuff like this goes down, probably when you were being a cop and you watch mm -hmm. someone get in a car accident, drunk driving, and then the entire life falls apart yeah. because they didn't do these, you know, in the grand scheme, not that expensive, mm -hmm of things yeah. of setting up trust setting up wills setting up estates so like it, it seems i'm learning so much and i'm very happy to have sat down with this conversation yeah. um so there was going to be a question there but i've for forgotten the question <laughs> um so let's kind of pivot over to a different one um when in your time so far, have you seen a, uh, a growth in your personal life or professional life? When have you yeah. seen growth in your life? So I think, um, I guess it feels, well, it sort of feels like bragging, but not really. Brag it's, away, go for so it. So I think what, I'm, what I'd say I'm proud of that I've noticed that I'm finally kind of aware of and working on is, um, you know, to put one word to it would be focus. Okay. So that's recognizing um, opportunities that are sort of not what, you know, really in reality, it'd be a bad opportunity. You know, there's a lot of, you know, whether that's so, for example, like we'll start with law school. And law school was kind of like the prime example of it. When you go through law school, there's everyone's dangling little rewards out in front of you. Like, there's these huge law firms out there that'll say, oh, like, we'll pay you, like, you know, this huge amount of money to come be our summer intern. And then, mm -hmm. like, if you get hired on by us, like, right out of law school, we're going to pay you, like, all this money. Mm -hmm. Well, in reality, like, and that's a lot of people, and it's a great life for some people, and, but I think they kind of reel in a lot of law students that way. They say, we're going to give you what right now looks like a ton of money. Yeah. But a couple of years from now, you're going to realize that you're working 12 hours a day, six days a week, and you're miserable and like, mm -hmm. you know, your money's not helping you out any. So that's, that's one example of being able to recognize, you know, sort of carrots or kind of shiny objects that are out there that would kind of pull you away from your focus. Of Which also probably helped working in a real the real world, I should say, yeah. right? Like not being straight from say high school to undergrad to law school where yeah. like you only know mountains of debt and uh -huh. living like a college student. Yeah. Yeah. And then even, you know, getting into business, it's recognizing like, okay, this this client is gonna cost me more than it's gonna benefit me. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, what's gonna take me to do this type of matter or you know, the energy it's going to take away, what it's going to take me to deal with this, or getting LinkedIn messages or calls or emails nonstop every day, like, oh, you know, for this amount of money, we can send you, like, all these things, or here's, like, all these little things that we can do for you, and just everyone wants to, like, you know, take a little piece and, like, offer you these little opportunities, but just having the focus of knowing, like, 
here's what I'm looking for. Here's the life that I'm trying to design and the business that supports that. Yeah. Here's what I need to get there. And I need to kind of block out all these other things that could look good, but just, you know, ultimately they're either going to you know, drain my business finances or they're going to you know, take my energy away from the type of work I really want to be yeah. doing, things like that. So Which can be more costly in the long run of like when you're drained emotionally and physically, yeah. like you're not able to focus on the yeah. things that you want to work on or even the things that you have to be focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't always the case for me. You know, little things come along and distract me and, you know, opportunities like, oh, like I should do this, but then it's pulling me like from somewhere else. So I think, you know, I'd call it what I consider old age. Probably a lot of people wouldn't think that way or, you know, whether it's worth work experience, but just being able to recognize um, what are my goals and what are the things that are going to get me there. Yeah. And what other things I can just push to the side and ignore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you bring up a good point that it has nothing to do with age. Yeah. You know, it's more of a, a, a emotional and intellectual like maturity of yeah. like no longer running around chasing shiny objects. For um, sure. it was do you? I know that you're married. Do you, do you, was it? Do you think you know getting married changed you know the, the focus a little bit, or what do you think was kind of like the 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 tipping point that? Uh, you know, got you to focus a little bit more to, to grow in the direction you have. Yeah, well, I was fortunate to, I got married really like, a lot of people consider it young, I guess, but I was, me and my wife were about 22 when we got married, so. I mean, I'm from the Midwest, yeah. that's like normal. Yeah, <laughs> so like, you know, back east, it was like, why don't you have kids yet? And yeah. here it's like, why'd you get married so young? But, yeah, um, you brought sand to the beach? Yeah. <laughs> you brought a wife? Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, um, yeah. All that to say, you know, my wife and I were fortunate to, I think, kind of grow up together, mm-hmm. essentially to some extent, you know, to kind of mature. But I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, they say like your 20s are for learning, your 30s are for earning. And I think your 20s are such a great time to start getting intentional, intentional about the life you want to have, mm-hmm. and the things you want out of life. And even down to like, you know, I'm thankful for the time we spent moving around the country and you know getting to I think I have something that a lot of my friends I grew up with don't have which is the appreciation of like okay I left San Diego and came back and I know it's expensive but like I'll pay that all day every day because I know that this is the place for me and this is the place I want to live but yeah just sort of figuring out what it is you want from life down to not you know people say oh I want lots of money in a giant mansion like well like you know that's all well and good but does that money cost you your life essentially where you're not enjoying anything till you're I don't know like you know let's say 70 and finally okay now I have enough money but oh wait like life's over yeah what happened to yeah you know all those years that passed me by yeah so just you know finally like landing on okay here's what I want my work life to look like in my personal life and how all those things you know I want them to interact together so I can grow and I can build but I can also really enjoy my life and live the life I want to have in the moment as I'm going through all these things yes and yeah we can have more conversations off (laughs) recording and whatnot but like a hundred percent like 
how I started the conversation of like introduce yourself but don't talk about your job like understanding that like what you do for a living if it does bring you joy and benefit and all that then high five it doesn't feel like you're working but I think the vast majority of people don't really land into that conversation so then how do you engineer your life so that you can you know make an income that allows you to afford the lifestyle that you want to live, mm-hmm. to live in the area we want to live, and do the activities that you want to do yeah. so that you can keep doing it and not be emotionally drained, stay focused, and continue to grow towards the bigger and better goals. Like, For sure. I love that. And, mm-hmm. like, the it seems very synergistic that, like, estate planning and, like, kind of has, like, fill, funneled its way in there. Yeah. Because, like, if you do it right, like, you're do you feel like you're encouraging people to follow their, like, you know, as you say, engineering your life? Yeah, I think the problem is a lot of people foresee, you say a state plan, they say, oh, like dead people, death. Like, yeah. stay away, I don't want that. I like to, my goal is to reframe estate planning to be, oh, peace of mind, and oh, planning my legacy. Like, yeah. how do I want to be remembered? And how do I you know, here's my trust and I'm putting these things in this trust because someday it's going to be like an awesome gift for my kids Mm -hmm. for, you know, the dog trust I want to set up and to support whatever museum center or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So it's setting up kind of the vehicle that's, you know, going to, that you can build your legacy around and have the peace of mind of knowing that like, well, if like, you know, I die on my way to Bora Bora in this, you know, sketchy airplane, then you know, it's not going to be some drawn out legal battle. battle. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody will have a peace of mind. There'll be a plan set in place. Of, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, then, to be respectful of time, I do have a few more questions. For sure. And we can kind of not really rapid fire, but I've already sent them to you. Mm-hmm. So um, the first one is what is. What will you do to next achieve the state of happiness? So for me, that I think is working on structure, which seems kind of, uh, seems almost like contradictory. I'm like, oh, I'll start my own business for freedom. And now I'm like, but I want that structure too. But I think it's a matter of setting up structure kind of on my terms in a way that where I just focus on, you know, building the framework for okay here's how much time per week I have to work with clients and then here's this block of time that's marketing and then here's whatever time it is let's say five o'clock is my cutoff time and that's Mm -hmm. you know straight up personal time that's not work time anymore and so just kind of building that in and figuring out the systems the processes that you know allow business to work smoothly to kind of fuel the machine to like we're talking about then you know support the lifestyle I want to have so then having the structure will then bring you happiness for sure it's structure you got to get out of the structure to get freedom but then build it back (laughs) so you can maintain your freedom yeah where do you want to pursue growth in your life I would like to um, you know when I saw that question it kind of made me think back about um, kind of along the way to like get from this wild like going from being driving around the streets of Martinsburg, West Virginia in the mm-hmm. middle of the night to, you know, now a law practice. Like there's been people along the way who have, you know, had 
no business dealing with me, but have taken time out of their day to you know, just offer their experience and things for me to learn from. Like one example is a guy, um, you can look him up on Instagram. His name is Charles Adams in Houston. Goes by Big Angry Law on Instagram. Um, he's got uh, radio shows, does TV appearances out there. He's got you know, a huge following. But I saw, I, I think it was his daughter, was going to school out here at UCSD and you know, he was posting about coming to La Jolla. Yeah. So it was, I just, I think I just finished my first year of law school. I'm like, you know, let's see what happens. So I sent him a message on Instagram, like, hey, like, you know, I saw you were a police officer. You became a lawyer. You mm -hmm. know, I'm doing that right now. Like, is there any chance I could like buy you a coffee somewhere in La Jolla just for a little bit, kind of hear about like, yeah, your tips and your advice? And he's like, sure, let's do it. And we met up, and I think it was like, you know, it was a while, like an hour and a half. He just talked me through everything he had done, gave me his advice. And there's been plenty of other people like that along the way who've, you know, sort of like, not like a, I don't, I don't want to use the word like mentor, but you know, people who have just taken, been intentional about taking time and saying, here's, you know, yeah. like, let me make myself available to you for this amount of time um, to kind of help you along your way. So I think for me, circling back now to the question, what I want to work on is being able to be intentional about um, carving out some time and some space to make investments in other people or groups, whether that's, you know, I don't, I've always, up until this point, like, you know, I don't have any, like, expertise to offer, like, who would want to, you know, who needs something from me, but, mm -hmm. you know, just looking at, oh, well, maybe it's someone who's just starting in law school, or maybe it's someone who's, you know, in law enforcement, and, like, kind of making that decision of, like, oh, like, or career changes in general, like, do I want to stick with this career I'm in and, you know, ride it out, or is it time to kind of cut and run and do something else? Yeah. Um, but I just want to, I want to work on you know, being intentional about ways I can invest in other people at this point, even just a little bit, you know, here and there. Because um, I think, you know, that selfishly it pays off, I think, and it's it helps you, but also just being able to help other people along the way and pay uh, it back, pay yeah, it forward. For sure. Yeah. Uh, last question. One message you'd like to leave our listeners with? My message would be don't let anything get in the way of pursuing what you know you need to do to be happy, whether that's, you know, deciding, okay, I need to move across the country or go back to school or, you know, I need to take this risk, whatever it is. I think there's a solution to every problem. And if someone's not feeling like they're kind of on the track to the ultimate life they want to be living, it has to be fixed and there's ways you can get there but you have to make those changes and there should never be something that says oh well, I could live this really great life but you know I have this it's a matter of whatever's in the way just finding the solution to that problem and making sure that you know no excuses for not living you know the life you ultimately want to be living it's better to restart now than be bitter and old and angry yeah. and still be unhappy later in life. Yeah. And even if you are bitter and old and angry, restart. You know, I think there's never an excuse like, oh, I could have done that a while ago, but not anymore. I think now is always better than never. So, Well, we'll leave it on that. Yeah. Thank you so much for the conversation, Sam. Thank you, Greg. Where can people reach out to you? Um, McGovernLawGroup.com.
All my contact info is there. Perfect. All right. We'll talk to you very soon, Sam. All right, thanks, Greg.